Hey, before I start talking about 2020 vision, um, you guys got anything to do Tuesday night? Tuesday? Anybody got freedom? Um, this Tuesday night, we're going to do something we call the Bible Institute. How many are familiar with Bible Institute? You ever been? Okay. This Tuesday, 6.30, Bible Institute. What we're going to be talking about, what, what does it mean, the Old Testament or the Old Covenant? What does it mean, the New Testament or the New Covenant? What's the differences between the two? And they're significant. How should it affect us? And, and what is this thing that people sometimes talk about, legalism? What, what exactly is it? And could it be that some of us have slipped into legalism without even knowing it, and it's impeding uh, our true spiritual development. So these are some of the things we'll be covering Tuesday night, 6.30. So please, if you have the opportunity, come on out. Um, I don't like to be here by myself. <laughs> well, 2020 vision. Uh, that's what we all want, right? It's 2020 vision. It's like um, when, you go, when you go take that, and it's a test, it's an exam, right? That's what they tell you, right? When, I take, when somebody says, I'm taking an exam, I want to pass it. Um, so how many of you are like me? I always look to the lowest line. I, I mean, I'm even guessing. I don't even know for sure what they are, but I'm going to guess at the line that I really can't see because I want to impress when I take this test. How many of you are like that? You'll admit it. Yeah, I, well, why do we do that? I, I, mean, I mean, do we expect that they're going to say, oh, my goodness, sir, can we take your picture and put it on our wall? There's never been other than a hawk itself that has vision like you. Or, and what if we fail the test? Are we afraid they're going to say, okay, sir, give me your driver's license. You can't, you can't, you can't get in that car again. We're calling you an Uber. You, you can't. <laughs> I mean, it's, a, it's an exam. But 2020 vision, what we're going to talk about in this series, it is something really, really important for us as human beings to live out a full life, an effective life. And it is simply this. It is seeing things as they really are. It is seeing reality. And the only way that we can do this is to go to our creator who is infinite and he has a complete picture of all that is true, all that is real. You and I are finite. Therefore, we cannot know all that is true and all that is real unless we go to our infinite creator but when we have his revelation in mind, we can walk through this life with eyes wide open, seeing things as they really are, which enables us to make wise decisions, live effectively, and in ways that will be both a blessing to ourselves, a surprising blessing to some of us if we start letting God's vision become our vision, as well as a blessing to all those that know us. So the first step in this we want to take today is clarifying my past, who I was. Now, you know, pop psychology is, you know, giving us a lot of emphasis these days about, oh, talk about your childhood, this, that, and the other. And we kind of think sometimes as Christians, as Christ followers, that this is just pop psychology and this is, this is not anything that Christians should be concerned with. But you're going to see in a minute that we're going to go back to the New Testament and God himself tells us that he very much is concerned that you and I be extremely familiar with our past. In fact, there's a statement I want to share starting out. An unprocessed past produces an unhealthy present. If you or I have not sufficiently with God, it's his process, by the way, you'll see this. He is the one that came up with this process that he wants us to go through with him. An unprocessed past produces an unhealthy present. Some of us have an unhealthy present, and we're not even sure why. In fact, there is no doubt there's somebody in this room that's probably had those times in life where you've, you've been alone in your car, you know, or wherever, and you shake your head and you say, I just don't get it. I mean, why doesn't anything I try ever work? 
I mean, why, why does everything I put my fingers on seem to go south? I mean, why does every relationship break down? Why, why does there, there always seem to be, I, I'm thinking I'm going to get results and I always end up with consequences. Some of us wonder, why do I always feel uncomfortable? No matter where I'm at, no matter who I'm around, I, I'm always uncomfortable. There's a little anxiety. I, I, I feel like, why do I feel like all the time people are going to judge me? People are looking at me with a critical eye. Why do I feel like I'm always on the outside looking in? Why do I feel like I never connect? I never belong. I'm never wanted. I'm never going to be wanted. Why, some of us wonder, why am I always so suspicious? Why am I always so insecure? Why do I always fear I'm going to be betrayed? I'm going to be abandoned? Why am I so touchy? Why do I get angry so easily? I mean, why do I overreact? Why do I explode? Others always, why do I clam up? Why do I go into a shell? Why do I never express my feelings? Why am I afraid to say no to anybody? Why do I always feel like I've got to please everybody? Everybody's always got to be happy with me. And if I don't feel like everybody's happy with me, I'm miserable inside. Why, why, why? All of these, all of these and many, many more we could list are, are manifestations of our past, our old self, that has contributed to the formation of who we are in the present. And, and who we are in the present is not always the healthy, strong person that God knows we can be. But in order to be that person, you're going to see that God has a process, a divine process. It's his idea, not, not pop psychologies, that we have a clear picture of our past and who we were because who we were is affecting who we are right now unless it's processed with God. So with that in mind, I'm going to start with a portion of Scripture. It's kind of long. We're going to have it on the screens instead of in the Bible today because I, I, I like uh, this particular versions. So they're just a little more clear. But it's from the Apostle Paul. He's writing to followers of Christ living in the city of Ephesus, and he starts with these words. He says, let me say this then, speaking for the Lord, live no longer as the unsaved. The unsaved are just those that have not yet returned to Christ in trust and become his followers. It is all human beings who have never been reconciled to God. Uh, we've never returned to him in trust. That's called the unsaved, meaning that we're headed down a road that's never going to allow us to be who we were meant to be or do what we were meant to do. No longer live, so he's writing to these followers of Christ living in Ephesus. He's saying, don't, don't live the way you used to before you became a Christ follower. Live no longer as the unsaved do. Why? For they are, what is the word? No 2020 vision. They don't see reality. They don't see things as though as they really truly are. They're blinded, and as a result of being blinded, they're confused. They're Closed hearts are full of darkness. They are far away from the life of God. What does it mean, the life of God? The life of God is, is the life that exists in God. God has peace inside of him. He has love. He has goodwill. He has sacrificial um, goodwill toward all. He has joy. The life of God, those that are apart from him, they, we can't experience this. We want lo uh, love. We want joy. We want peace, but we can't experience those things. Their closed hearts are full of darkness. They are far away from the life of God. But why? Because they have what? Shut their minds against him. So it's not as though that, you know, there's not 
uh, responsibility for us being in this condition when we are. It's because we, how many of you remember, I, up until age 23, let me tell you something, my mind was closed shut to God. Anytime somebody would bring up God in a conversation, I was going to find a way to change it really quick, or I was going to construct some kind of a God that would allow me to live any old way I want. How, how many remember those days in your life where you, your mind was shut to God? Okay, so it's not as though God didn't maybe approach, but I was not open. Their minds against him, and they cannot understand his ways. It goes on. They don't care anymore about right and wrong. That was me up until age 23, and had given themselves over to impure ways. That was me. They stop at nothing. That was pretty much me being driven by their evil minds and reckless lusts, reckless desires. That was certainly me. It goes on. But now he's talking to these Christ followers present. He says, but that was not what you learned about Christ. In other words, everything that you saw in Jesus' life, everything that you heard in his teaching, everything that was demonstrated in his miracles, his sacrificial death and his resurrection, none of that, none of that orders us or urges us to live that kind of a lifestyle, the one that we just talked about. He says, you certainly heard about him, and as his followers, you were taught the truth that is in Jesus so, in light of this truth, 2020 vision, seeing life the way God sees it, feeling about life the way God feels about it, enacting with life the way God himself would enact. So, the first thing, because of this truth that's in Jesus, get rid of, what does it say? That means we all have an old self. And I can't get rid of my old self, and you can't get rid of your old self, Unless you first acknowledge you have one, and then unless you and I can start to recognize that old self. What are some of the manifestations of the old self? Uh, how can I tell when that old self is rearing its head and influencing my present? That self from the past, how can I know when it's acting out and influencing my present? So, first of all, this is God. This isn't pop psychology. He's saying you and I must have an understanding of our past and the formative processes that have made us from the past who we are in the present. So, get rid of your old self. So, it's my responsibility. God tells me to do it. If God tells me to do something or tells you to do something, he will supply the power we need to do it. So he's not going to tell us to do something impossible. So I can recognize my old self with God's help, and I can get rid of it. I can no longer let it have place in my life. So get rid of your old self, which made you live as you used to, the old self that was being destroyed by its deceitful desires. You know, maybe we had desires. We think that, man, if I have enough possessions, then I'll be happy. If I have enough pleasure, then I'll be happy. If I have enough power, then I'll be happy. If I have enough popularity, then I'll be happy. Deceitful desires. We, we get these things. We check them off our list only to find, no, something's still missing in life. I'm still not satisfied. These desires deceive us. They keep us chasing the carrot out in front. It goes on. Your hearts and minds must be made how new? completely new. God is saying, I, you, me, we need an entirely new way of thinking, seeing life, feeling about life, and that way is the way God sees it and the way God feels about it because that's reality. 2020 vision means I'm, I'm, able, to, I'm able to react to reality. I'm seeing things as they truly are. So we must be made completely new in our hearts and minds, and you must put on now notice it's my responsibility to put to get rid of my old self. Now he tells me to put on the what? 
a new self. There's a new self. There's a new you. There's a new me if you're a Christ follower. What is this new self like? Which is created in God's likeness and reveals itself in the true life that is upright and holy. When you are the real you, when you find yourself, when you are fully yourself, when you're fully human and fully alive, when you're walking with your creator Christ in trust and allowing his word and his will to shape you, mold you, change you, help you and I to grow and develop, you will become this extraordinarily beautiful, wonderful human being that is your unique personality, but it's now Christ-like. And that's the new you that God says I am to put on. So I'm to do two things simultaneously. I'm I'm to rid myself of the old self, my old self, which I have to recognize it if I'm going to get rid of it. Then I have to put on this new self. This is a divine process. Some of us have wondered, we've been Christ followers for a long time, but we've wondered why we're stuck, why we're not growing, why we're not experiencing inner transformation really, truly. And here's the key. If we ignore this process of ridding ourselves of the old self and putting on the new self, we won't change. We won't grow. I don't care how much Bible you know. I don't care how many times you go to church. I don't care how much money you give. I don't care how many prayers you pray. And all that stuff is good to do. But you and I will not change if we ignore this divine transformation process. Okay. So this means I've got to clarify my past. I've got, I've got to get a grip on who I was so that it's so that I can be sure that it's not affecting my present. So recognizing my past that could be my present is the first step. Because who I am today might be because of some things in my past that I haven't fully processed. The Apostle Paul was well aware of his past. He didn't let it hold him back, but he always kept a clear picture. He took full responsibility for his past. He owned it. Listen to the way he talked about himself when he was writing to followers of Christ in Galatia. He says, you heard of my former way, past life, old self, my former way of life in Judaism, how I was savagely persecuting the church of God and trying Trying to destroy it. His name was Saul of Tarsus. He was the first persecutor of the Christian movement. Let me go on. He, he refers to this again a little later in his life. He'd been a follower of Christ for over 25 years. He still remembers. Even though I was formerly, formerly in the past, old self, a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a man of violence, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. So here he's showing that he has a, a clear awareness of his past, and you and I must have that same kind of clear awareness. There's a passage in Hebrews chapter 12 that gives us a sense, too, about how we need to be aware of past patterns that may be affecting us in the present. It says, since we have such a huge crowd of men of faith watching us from the grandstands, let us strip off anything Anything that slows us down or holds us back, and especially those sins that wrap themselves so tightly around our feet and do what? Trip us up. We, we all have certain sins, certain patterns that tend to trip us up. And it's saying, get a grip on those. They came from your past, your old self, but, but you need to know what they are, and they don't have to continue to trip you up is what it's saying. They wrap themselves so tightly around our feet and they trip us up. And let us run with patience the particular race that God has set out before us. So we must become aware of our old self and how it developed. Now, in one of the Bible institutes I did recently, I I, I gave kind of a a long-running explanation, my, my own explanation to try to give people clarity. Because usually we don't understand how events 
in our past affected us and formed who we are today. So I, I, I gave this. Now, now here's the thing I want to say. This is going to go fast and it's a lot of information. But view it again. If this is, has any meaning to you at all, view it again online. Where you can take time and write some notes and, and think through how this has been part of your personal development. But I want to show you how your old self, my old self, came into being. Okay, here we go. The word that is used often in scripture for the old self, it's a Greek word, sarx, and it's sometimes translated flesh, but it's the old self. And that old self is, first of all, time-bound. I know that I start, I come into existence, and I know there's a time when my life ends. I'm sense-governed. If I can't see it, hear it, taste it, smell it, you know, feel it, uh, I don't know for sure that it exists. I, I can't go past my senses. I'm driven by the fear of death. By that, I mean this. I know sooner or later I'm going to die. I know I am going to die. I just don't know when I'm going to die. I have no control over that. These are factors that form my old self. This forms a darkened life perspective. I don't know so much. I don't know how much I don't know. I'm apart from God. No immediate experience of God or with God. Therefore, I don't have the information that only he has, and so I'm fumbling around, as it were, in the darkness. Next part. I'm not born like Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden. You're not born in the Garden of Eden, the Garden of God. Think about it. Adam and Eve, when they came to life, they could see God with their eyes. They could hear him with their ears. They could speak to him just like we speak to one another. They were surrounded with this lovely environment that was uh, there to satisfy every desire of their heart, every beautiful thing, everything they needed. They had a loving relationship with God. They had a loving relationship with one another. They knew they mattered to God. They looked in his eyes and heard the tone of voice. They knew they had value. They didn't have to prove anything. They didn't have to do anything. They knew they had significance. They knew they were secure, and they had full satisfaction. That's not me or you. We are not born in the garden of God. No, we're, we're born as this. We're born into a world of darkness, a world of danger, and it's a world where death is a grim reality. Very different. This forms our old self. It creates a desperation outlook where self-preservation and self-gratification become the driving forces in our life. Self-preservation, I want to stay alive as long as I can because I don't know when I'm going to die. I just know I am. Self-gratification, I want to have pleasure and enjoyment as long as I'm here. I just want to be happy, we hear people say. That's all that means because we figure that's all there is in life. Then we start getting educated. We're educated by our family, those that are early caretakers. Some things they teach us are good and healthy. Some things they teach us are far from it, but they become part of our outlook on life, our view. Then we get a cultural education, whatever our culture is. Some things in culture may be good. Some things may be very, very detrimental to adjusting to reality. Then we start having experiences. These experiences become formative. Some experiences are painful, and so we start thinking, I don't want those experiences. Some are pleasurable, and we start thinking, I want more of those, okay? Okay. Then we come to some conclusions, conclusions I just mentioned. This is painful, I don't want it. This is pleasurable, I want it. I form convictions. Pleasurable is good, although that may not be true. That's a conviction I form. Then I create systems to get more of the good and avoid what I consider painful. Even though the painful may actually be better for me, at this point I'm just fumbling in the darkness and this is how I'm developing my old self. It goes on. 
From this come values. Oh, whatever brings me pleasure, that, that's valuable. That's important to me. I want that. I'm going to pursue that. That's going to become a big purpose in my life. From this I form habits and practices. But then I have opportunities that come along for further experiments in life. I'm going to try this. I'm going to see if I like that. What if I took this leap? What if I you know, took this risk? We do experiments. Then we process them. We come to conclusions. We develop convictions. Oh, that was a bad experiment. I should have never tried that. That, that didn't work well at all coping system, coping system to avoid that or a coping system to bring more of that into my life if I find it to be pleasurable and profitable. That creates yet another cycle of more habits, more practices develop. This is how your old self, my old self comes into development. It goes on. There usually comes a point in this developmental process where our old self gets restless and dissatisfied. This isn't working. I got everything I want, but I'm still wanting more. I got the house, I got the spouse, I got the career, I got this, I got that, but there's something still missing. I, I, I'm going I'm to do some other thing. I'm going to search. I, I'm going I'm to take up scuba diving. I'm going to take up skiing. I'm, I'm going I'm to you know, get in hot air balloons. Whatever. I'm going to experiment. I'm going to do something. I got to get some new pizzazz in my life. We search, we experiment, then we process it. We come to conclusions. This was good. This was too expensive. This was not so good. Convictions, coping systems again. Then we come to a place in life. And this is getting to be critical, where we're aware we're not really sure of anything about life. We become aware in a personal manner of our actual mortality and vulnerability. We start feeling very vulnerable. We start feeling very mortal. And that is a un, kind of a very uncomfortable, disorienting experience. And it can be good or bad because it will either send us seeking God, the creator, because he's the only one that can supply what it is we really want and the kind of security that we're looking for, the kind of stability, the kind of joy, the kind of lasting joy and peace and so forth. Or at that point we say, no way, I don't want God. I, I don't want him in my life. So we suppress the thought of God. And I can remember doing that, suppressing the thought of God. And then our character starts to continue to form. And this was a very quick run. Um, if you want to go over this again, like say you have it online, go over it, take time, write notes, go through it. But, but that's how my old self and your old self came to being. It's complicated. It, it's not at all an easy developmental process. There's an interesting challenge that uh, a lot of young kids are doing online. Uh, I'm just curious if any of you heard about it. It's called the, the 100 layer clothing layer challenge. Anybody heard of it? 100 See, that's because you're old. Uh, <laughs> But it is, it's this challenge these kids are doing uh, on YouTube where they see if they can get like 100 shirts on, on themselves, okay? So uh, I came across this one little, little YouTube venue that, that's sort of interesting, a girl that successfully uh, got the 100 shirts on, but, but then she runs into this. And I can't do this. I can't think of it. Oh my goodness. Oh my God. I can't. This is not okay right now. 
Now, I'm a little suspicious. <laughs> I'm a little suspicious because she would have had to have some help to get 100 shirts on. But I can't understand that feeling of panic. You know, I, I, I'm a little bit claustrophobic myself. And, and the shirt's just crushing you. And then when you realize, oh, no, I cannot get them off. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I can, I can see that. But it looks suspicious. But here's my whole point in showing you this. That long, complex process that you and I are never aware of that I walked you through. I did that so you can deconstruct it and understand yourself and understand your past better. That long process, once it's in place, once my old self is fully constructed, it is not easy to rid myself of the old self. We read that passage of Scripture where God says, rid yourself of the old self. And I'm here to tell you, it is not easy. It's not easy as a Christ follower. Is it possible as a Christ follower? Absolutely. God never commands us to do something that he doesn't empower us to do. But you must understand this is a process, a divinely instituted process, but it is a process that requires my humble cooperation and perseverance in. It is not going to be easy, and it's not going to be fast. How many of you that are Christ followers and you've been at this thing of trying to put your old self behind you? How many of you know this is not easy and it's not fast? Can I see your hands? Okay. Very important we know that. Very important that we know that God knows it's not going to be easy for us or fast and he loves us through it and will get us through it. But you've got to have confidence that you can get through it and that you can get on the other side of it. And that's where replacing my past to change my present comes in. It, it said that we're not just to rid ourselves of our old self, but we're to put on like a new set of clothing, like an, another hundred you know, shirts. We're to put on the new self. But the new self is the best version of ourself. It, it's the Christ-like version of ourself. Now, now, you and I must embrace the truth. We must believe that God can actually do this if we cooperate with him, put off, rid ourselves of the old self consistently, and put on the new self. Well, let's talk about this putting on the new self. How does that happen? How, how do we do this? Hebrews chapter 12 again, verse 2 this time, it says, we look away from the natural realm. In other words, the thing that I can discern by my senses, feel it, taste it, touch it, smell it, hear it, you know, all that. I, I've got to look to the infinite realm that only God can reveal to me, the reality that only he sees, but I can then see it once I embrace what he says. Look away from the natural realm, and we fasten our gaze onto Jesus, who birthed faith within us. In other words, Jesus revealed his trustworthiness, his worthiness of our trust, and that caused me to trust him. He birthed faith within me by showing his sacrificial love on the cross, for example, his power to rise from the grave, his power to forgive sins, open blind eyes, walk on water. It caused me to have confidence and trust in him. It gave birth to trust or faith in me who birthed faith within us, and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. Notice process, leading forward into faith's perfection or maturity or completeness. So to put on the new self, I've got to be fixated on Jesus. I've, I've got to be looking at the truth as it's revealed to him. I've got to be looking to God's word, which gives me the full revelation of God in Christ. All the teachings about what is, what will be, what is to come, all of that comes into play. But that's how I start to put on this new self. Let's look at another passage. 
In 2 Corinthians 3.18, we kind of see the same thing, slightly different language. It says, and we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord. The only way we can behold the glory of the Lord is through Scripture. God's glory is revealed in Scripture to us. As we immerse ourselves in it, we behold his glory, his goodness, his beauty, his desirability, all those things. We're being transformed. As we behold, we've got to behold his glory before we're transformed into the same image. The same image as Jesus. From one degree of glory to another. Does that sound like a process? Sure, one degree to another degree. It doesn't come all at once. It's not instantaneous, not instantaneous at all. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So what we see here is a process as I become Christ-centered in my life, this process starts to take place. Now, I wanted to break this down and show you a little more specifically, experientially, how this actually works out or does not work out. Because some of you are sitting there thinking, Randy, I've been studying Scripture for years and years and decades, and, and I'm still not being transformed. I still have the same old habits. The old self is still there, and I'm not becoming more Christ-like, and, and it's not like I don't want to be. It's just not happening. All right, well, well, maybe you missed something. Let's look at this. First, first step, we, we start at ground zero. We don't know anything about Christ. We, we have our first exposure, encounter, our first information about Christ, knowledge about him. I'm calling that association. That's the first association. Oh, so that's what God is like, and that's what he says is true about life and so on. Now, after I have that first association, I face three critical forks in the road that will determine whether I experience the kind of transformation to Christ-likeness that God wants me to experience. First thing is, once I know about God as he's revealed in Christ, am I attracted to him? Do I like what I see when I see what God's word says about life and about Christ? Am I attracted to it? Am I attracted to Christ? Secondly, aspiration, not just attraction, but aspiration. Am I attracted to Jesus enough that I want to be like him. I didn't say that you want to go to heaven. There's a whole lot of people who want to go to heaven that could care less about being like Jesus. And, and I'm telling you, folks, you, you just well toss this thing in the trash if that's what you're riding on, if that's what you're counting on, because this book does not teach that. Nobody's going to be in heaven that doesn't want to be like Jesus. You might have prayed a prayer, asked Jesus into your heart, got baptized. I don't care what you did. If you have not come to trust in Jesus to the point that you want to be like Jesus, you are not a Christian, okay? That's just scriptural truth. So attraction to Jesus, but then aspiration that I want to be like Jesus. It's not just that I like him, but I want to be like him. Third stage, do I want to be, and that's actualization, do I want to be like him enough to rid myself of my old self and to put on the new self? I mean, do I want to be like him enough that I'm going to persevere in taking the necessary action to become like him in every area of my life? You see, that, that's how this process works out. And if we miss any of these steps in this process, we don't grow, we don't change, we, we don't develop. And, and that's why some people get confused after many years being in church. Romans 13 just gives us this image again of clothing. But clothe yourselves with what? The Lord Jesus Christ. Well, how do you do that? And forget about satisfying your what? Your sinful self. That's the thing we have to rid ourselves of. So how do you clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, let me just give you some simple steps. Jesus was kind. Do you agree? Uh, he's the kindest one I know. The kindest, kindest person I've ever seen, ever. Um, so I'm not kind by nature. 
So how do I become kind like Jesus? I start doing kind things, whether I feel them or not. Gradually, I become kind because the Spirit of God is working me. But Jesus is compassionate. I was not compassionate at all by nature. How do I become compassionate? I started involving myself with people that have problems, that have needs, and I started rolling up my sleeves to help. And all of a sudden, compassion starts to rise on me. I do the compassionate thing. This is how we clothe ourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. It requires action. We do the Christ-like things until they become habits and become character, ultimately. I hope for some of you that, that alone will just be kind of a light turned on in a dark room because you've been wondering, why isn't this growth thing working out for me? Now I'm going to close by giving you a process, this divine process of dealing with our past, processing our past so that it doesn't create an unhealthy present for us. And this is the process that we started looking at in Ephesians 4, 20 through 24. First of all, I've got to recognize my old self. You and I can, with God's help, start to recognize that old self, all the patterns that are still a part of our present. We've got to recognize, but then once we recognize them, we've got to rid ourselves. We, we, in other words, it's not enough just to say, well, I have a bad temper. I was just born with a bad temper. No, you've got a bad temper because you need to learn self-control, and God will help you learn self-control, but you've got to own it. My bad temper is inexcusable. My pettiness is inexcusable. My looking at everybody and everything with a critical eye is inexcusable. My hoarding and miserliness and lack of generosity is inexcusable and all right you see how it works you you've got to own this thing i've got to own this thing and then say no more no more will i be that man that's part of my old self i know how it developed i know how i I developed this fear-based lifestyle and then i've got to replace it that's putting on the clothing of Christ, the, the kindness, the love, the grace, the forgiveness. Some of you, man, you're so stuck. You're so doggone bitter, some of you. You don't call it bitterness anymore. You say, no, no, I've kind of put it behind me. You're still bitter. <laughs> and you wonder why you're not growing. You wonder why you're not Christ-like. You've got to get rid of your old self, folks. This is a divine process. If we trust God and embrace his process, we will experience the kind of clarification of our past that gives us a healthy present. We don't have to keep living governed by past experiences. So, here's my hope. I'm hoping if you're here and you're already a Christian, you're already a Christ follower, that this 2020 year will be the year that you say, you know, I'm going to get very serious about processing my past with God. I'm going to get a fix on who my old self is and how it manifests itself, and I'm going to rid myself of my old self. I'm going to cooperate with God, and this year is the year I'm going to get serious about clothing myself with Christ-like characteristics, behavior, attributes. I'm going to get serious about this divine process of transformation. I I hope 2020 will be the year that All of us that are Christ followers will get serious about that. And then I hope that some of us, this will be the year that you'll for the first time put your trust in Christ and become his follower. You were made by Christ and for Christ and you'll never be who you were meant to be or do what you were meant to do until you return to him in trust. He offers you forgiveness of all your sins, eternal life in his kingdom where there'll be no sickness, sorrow, pain, or death. He'll be your faithful companion forever. He'll help you grow and change. 
But it all starts with you and I being willing to put our trust in him. And to gain our trust, he allowed himself to be crucified on a cross that he did not deserve. All to show you and I, he's the safest, most loving, trustworthy person in the universe. So I'm hoping that some of you that have never actually, and ever actually, really put your trust in Christ and become his follower, that this 2020 year will be the start of truly a new life for you. Let's pray. Father, may your spirit truly move all of us in the direction you know and you desire for us to move in, whether it's opening our lives to trust in you, Lord Jesus, for the first time, or whether it's in getting serious about this process that you want us to embrace, this divine transformation process. Lord Jesus, it's in your name I pray. Amen.